Thank you. We come together again for the annual occasion when you allow me to address you on the state of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. The fact it occurs on a date of great tragedy in our country's history is driven by the constraints of scheduling and not by any design to incorporate or detract from our memory of that event. This occasion provides me an opportunity to showcase the talent and accomplishments of the university. As I said in my welcoming email, it is a gift we all share to work in a community so rich in talent, so tasked with such important and satisfying responsibilities. I recognize that my use of country music last year may have startled or even unnerved some of you. <laughs> so this year, to provide at least one elevating moment in these proceedings, and to illustrate the talent we have among us, I am pleased to present the Skyros Quartet, a graduate quartet in residence pursuing a doctorate in chamber music under the guidance of the Chiara Quartet. The violinists are Sarah Pitakemi from Seattle, Washington, and James Mote from Toronto, Ontario. The violist is Justin Curries from Timmins, Ontario. The cellist is Willie Braun from Tucson, Arizona. Please welcome and enjoy the Skyros Quartet playing Mendelssohn. Thank you.
We are most fortunate. The arts elevate our perspective, but uh, we should give science its due. I will now demonstrate the scientific principle that light travels faster than sound. I will appear very bright until you hear what I have to say. <laughs> I understand that the School of Biological Sciences tried the monkeys on computer experiment see if the monkeys could replicate the plays of Shakespeare. All they got were a collection of my State of the University speeches. <laughs> I, I do want to respond to those of you who, after reading my welcoming email, accused me of being insane. <laughs> I want to assure you I do not suffer from insanity. I enjoy every minute of it. This annual ritual imposes a discipline to break free of the demands of the moment, to reflect back over the year past, and to plan for the year to come. It's an opportunity to consider how this university is positioned within the broader framework of higher education in the US and the world. If we focused only on our local circumstance, we would conclude that we have made good progress on our major objectives, that we have begun initiatives that have significant potential, and that we face exciting opportunities and a manageable set of challenges. However, we cannot divorce ourselves from considering the greater world and context of higher education. There is significant concern nationally about the cost of higher education. 
For many, the cause of the increase in tuition is as difficult to understand as why cemeteries need cost of living increases. While our university continues to have comparatively low tuition, while we exempt the poorest families from paying any tuition, and while our graduates leave us with an average debt much lower than is true for the country as a whole, we must still be aggressive stewards of our resources. We also must be aggressive advocates for the value of an education at a comprehensive research university. Nowhere is Warren Buffett's view more applicable that cost is what you pay and value is what you receive. The job market right now may be difficult for some of our graduates, but unemployment is lower and shorter and wages are higher among college graduates. While there are places where higher education has lost the confidence of its constituents, I believe Nebraskans in large part continue to recognize the importance of this university in building a 21st century economy, both through the cultivation of talented young people and the innovation of our faculty. The support of innovation for Innovation Campus from the governor and the legislature is evidence of their understanding that our potential and the very significant interaction with such private sector companies as Bayer Crop Science demonstrates that potential being realized. Public budgets are under stress and there is concern about the continued level of federal research support. Nebraska is not immune from the ebb and flow of the national economy or the unpredictable nature of the farm economy or the shifting public mood about taxes and debt. Nonetheless, Feeding the world's population will continue to emerge as one of the most critical issues facing the world, and we are uniquely positioned in many ways to contribute to a solution. The so-called Arab Spring is, attributable, is attributed to the hunger and desperation of the people in that region, emphasizing that food security is intimately tied to our national security. As an anonymous author once wrote, with all our artistic pretensions, our scientific accomplishments, our increased understanding of the human condition, we owe our existence to six inches of topsoil and the fact that it rains. This year's drought underlines that reality. We cannot afford to be indifferent to the recent disclosures of misdeeds at some of our peer institutions, such as Penn State and North Carolina. In one version, Penn State is the failure of otherwise good people to come forward to report and to protect the victims of a sexual predator. In North Carolina, it appears to be a failure within the academic community to enforce agreed to standards of performance and thereby allow student athletes to remain eligible. We should and we will make every effort to review these and other cases for lessons to be learned, not because I think we have similar issues, but rather because we should always be alert to suggestions that can improve our processes and give reassurance to our constituents that we take these matters seriously. So we are examining the free report and its recommendations for Penn State to assess whether any of them are ap applicable here. And I will ask the Intercollegiate Athletics Committee of the Faculty Senate to review the curriculum taken by student athletes to reaffirm what I believe that our athletes embrace the same academic demands as students at large. Another high-profile development is the rise of companies such as Coursera and Udacity, which offer free non-credit courses online from universities such as Stanford, Caltech, Princeton, and others. These MOOCs, or massive open online courses, 
are attracting a wide range of speculation about their impact on the future of higher education. As they evolve, they may be a threat to traditional higher education, or they may create opportunities. I've asked a small group of faculty and administrators, chaired by Steve Goddard of Computer Science, to suggest how we might respond to these developments. As with many of the challenges we face, the issue is not whether MOOCs are a good thing or a bad thing. They are part of our existing reality and we should try to exploit that reality on behalf of the university. This has been a very good year for the university. Our students continue to demonstrate in a variety of national competitions that they can compete with students from any place. By way of illustration, last year our students received a prestigious Marshall Scholarship, nine Fulbrights resulting in UNL being named by the Fulbright program as one of the 45 top producing research institutions, four Gilman Scholarships for study abroad, and four Goldwater Scholarships, the most any single institution may receive in a single year. Faculty accomplishments, too, are high, can be highlighted only by illustration, such as John Hibbing's selection as a fellow in the American Association for the Advancement of Science, Margaret Jacobs' receipt of a fellowship from the American Council of Learned Com Societies, and Kwame Dawes' award of a Guggenheim Fellowship. Our faculty demonstrate an extraordinary range of influence. Kwame's range extends from editing the Prairie Schooner to publishing a series of poems reflecting on the Olympics for, of all places, the Wall Street Journal. And Susan Swearer has shared her expertise on bullying with both President and Michelle Obama at the White House and then with Lady Gaga. We all know that our professional staff make invaluable contributions that allow the rest of us to succeed. They also enhance our reputation in their own right. Lola Young, who works in housing, was elected president of the National Association of Education Office Professionals at its convention last July. We have attracted new and talented administrator leadership to the campus. Chuck Hibbard returns to Nebraska from Purdue to become Dean of Cooperative Extension. And Chuck O'Connor returns after a nine-year absence to become Dean of the Hickson Lee College of Fine and Performing Arts. Kim Wilson and Nancy Bush have assumed interim leadership roles in the College of Architecture and the University Libraries, respectively. And I know you all wait <clears throat> with anticipation to learn what Jim O'Hannon will be doing next. <laughs> this year, he will assume yet another pinch hit role as interim dean of the College of Journalism and Mass Communications, the fourth college he has led. The university is particularly fortunate to have our current set of academic deans, a rare group of talented and collaborative academic leaders who accept the dual responsibility of advancing their colleges and the long-term interests of the institution. And under Diane Mendenhall's leadership, our Alumni Association has become a true partner in working towards our objectives. The 2020 report urged us to be part of the national and international conversation on issues of significance. The Doherty Water for Food Institute held its fourth international conference in Lincoln last May, and it is clear that this university is fast becoming the global focal point for the effort to provide more food with less water. In partnership with the Homestead Monument and the National Park Service, we held a major symposium celebrating the impact of landmark legislation, the Homestead Act, the Morrill Act, the Pacific Railroad Act, and the law creating the United States Department of Agriculture. 
Scholars in digital humanities from across the CIC institutions came together in Lincoln to compare their accomplishments. And as one scholar from another CIC institution was heard to remark, how did UNL get to be 15 years ahead of the rest of us? Life science scholars from most of our Big Ten colleagues engaged with our faculty in Lincoln. And this spring, the first ever conference on the rural future was convened in Lincoln with representatives from across the land-grant community and the world. Focusing on the rural future is a fitting start to the celebration of the 150th anniversary of the Morrill Act and allows us to re-energize our role as a land-grant university in the 21st century. Our first year in the Big Ten was a success. In athletics, we held our own and we won our share. Of course, we're not satisfied with just our share. The new venues were interesting. For example, in Madison, in addition to the football game, they held the, on the sidewalks of State Street the 43rd Annual Conference on the Use of Medical Marijuana. <laughs> I hadn't realized how many students in Madison were so grievously ill. <laughs> Academically, we are leading the Big Ten and the CIC in several areas. In addition to our work in digital humanities, Dennis Mulfees and our Center on Brain, Biology, and Behavior, now known as CB Cubed, will lead a collaboration between the Big Ten and the Ivy League to conduct an extensive study of concussion injuries in student athletes. CB Cubed is also part of a unique collaboration between an athletic department and an academic faculty, faculty, along with the private sector, to build a significant research enterprise to be housed in the New East Stadium, one that will benefit not only student athletes, but also our broader understanding of human performance. The state's investment of 25 million has significantly advanced innovation campus. After months of the planning necessary for a development of this kind, Ground will be broken in September. In addition to the infrastructure necessary to sustain the development, a major complex of life science facilities, office space, and a conference center will, will start construction soon. While we do not have any private sector tenants to announce, we are hopeful that they will come soon. I will say our interaction with several multinational companies have been very positive in that regard. It is clear that one of our major opportunities is to promote the food, fuel, and water themes as we market Innovation Campus, although I see other opportunities as well. There are a number of faculty-driven initiatives which may lead to opportunities with private sector partners in the years ahead. We're also increasingly global in our reach. As the lead institution for the university system, we created an American Exchange Center in Xi'an, China, with our partner, Xi'an Jitong University. After the hard work of Professor David Liu to help put the center together, Professor Ian Newman has agreed to serve as the center's director. The center will be the mirror image of the Confucius Institute in Lincoln, providing access to Chinese students to American activities and culture, and providing a site from which our own students and faculty can engage in China. Our partnership degree programs in China continue to increase the number of Chinese undergraduates on our campus. Efforts in Brazil have made us the largest recipient of Brazilian undergraduate students under that country's new Science Without Borders program. We have restructured our international program service units under David Wilson, our chief international officer, to provide better engagement with international students on our campus, to provide better service to our students and faculty going abroad. 
You will see, soon see a new office for education abroad, more prominently located in the student union, to further encourage our students to study in a foreign land. And I hope all faculty will take seriously the need to assure our curriculum properly prepares students for their global future. All of these accomplishments, and the many others I've not mentioned, help propel us toward our objective of being a prominent and respected land-grant and comprehensive research university, one that serves its students, its constituents, and plays an important role in the state, the nation, and the world. We have, over the last decade, made undergraduate education and research our priority. We have increased enrollment, increased the academic credentials of our entering class, raised our retention and graduation rates, and have experienced the fastest growth, rate of growth in research awards among our peers. We joined the Big Ten Conference and the CIC, and then we have discovered that a university's reputation is enhanced when it can tout its real accomplishments not its membership in AAU. Those of us who were here in the year 2000 know that we have a different feel, a different stature, and a different sense of ourselves. Last year, I proposed we set our sights on a university of 30,000 students, a 300 million level of research expenditures, a 70% six-year graduation rate, and a significant increase both in the number and recognition of tenured faculty. Some of you might have thought we would take a year or two off and consolidate our gains or at least enjoy the fruits of our labor. We're entitled to bask, but not to pause in this new sense of place. The things that come to those who wait will be the things left behind by those who get there first. We are well positioned to move toward our research goals. Our $25 million food safety grant was the largest grant yet received from USDA. Our new interdisciplinary initiative in the social and behavioral sciences and the establishment of the National Research Strategic Research Initiative at the systems level both provide enormous possibilities for continued research growth. But in what time remains, let me suggest an almost singular focus for the year ahead one I believe is necessary for our long-term success. We need to grow enrollment. We need to relentlessly pursue every Nebraska high school graduate to demonstrate that this university is the only one where they can get the breadth of opportunity, the richness of experience, and the lifetime value of a Big Ten degree at resident tuition rates. We need to grow this university to 30,000 students. We experienced a small, small decline this year. We believe we understand the reasons for that decline. We are pleased that the entering class continues our four-year trend with the highest average ACT in history and the most diversity. It contains four students with perfect ACT scores. I am not in any way discouraged about reaching our goal of 30,000 students. I'm reminded of the comment of General Douglas MacArthur we're not retreating, we are advancing in another direction. <laughs> because of the enrollment decline and increase in other fixed costs, we have a deficit of approximately $6 million. A portion of that deficit we have covered by withholding a small part of the salary increase authorized by the Board of Regents. I'm confident that with focus, we have the will and the means to significantly increase enrollment for next year, beginning in the fall of 2013. 
This would turn that deficit from being a permanent structural demand for funds into a cash flow issue of one-year dimension. Thus, the Vice Chancellors and I have determined not to initiate our budget reduction process, but rather to spread the deficit across all units by imposing a temporary reduction. Units may use one-time funds to cover the deficit this year with the expectation that enhanced enrollment next year would avoid making these reductions permanent. So I will be asking each Vice Chancellor division to reduce its expenditure by one-half of 1%. 1 While I am generally opposed to across-the-board reductions, I want to emphasize that with regard to the enrollment goal, we are in this together. The combination of the unspent salary funds and the distributed reductions account for approximately $4 million of the $6 million deficit. The remainder will be covered at the campus level, reducing our ability temporarily to respond to important opportunities. Once we fund this deficit out of enrollment growth, we intend to set aside a percentage of any increased revenue to make targeted investments in our highest priority programs and in those units that have contributed to the growth. Enrollment increases is the only sure source of resources to fund our priorities. An increase in the tenure or tenure track faculty is dependent on these resources. And this in turn is necessary for us to meet our research goals. We can and will make some investments as we proceed, but sustained success depends on our enrollment growth. So why should we promote growth when almost all of our peers are at steady state or retrenching? Size matters. For our undergraduate program, enhancing the size of the student body and the faculty provide greater opportunities for students to find their niche, to locate a mentor who can direct them to their passion, to explore a wider set of opportunities than they can imagine when they graduate from high school. Many of us can look back over our career and acknowledge the almost random way in which we discovered our own internal passions and the path to outward expression of them. We can serve our students better if we grow in size. I'm aware that there are some Nebraska families who worry that UNL may be already too big or too ambitious for their son or daughter. I would urge them to reconsider and to focus rather on what it will take for their son or daughter to be successful in their adult lives. The world is a big place and whether they return to a small Nebraska town or a larger venue, they will have to engage with the larger world beyond. Each of these students represents a story yet untold, and each of these students will be the author of their own story. Wherever they locate, to be successful, they will have to think big, to think beyond the restraints of their current imagination, beyond their current city limits, and beyond the boundaries of their current circumstances. UNL may not be the right place for every student, but those who avoid us because they think we are too big run the risk of a lifetime of thinking too small. Size also matters for Nebraska. We prioritized undergraduate education because it reflected Nebraska's need for attracting more talented young people to the state. We know that we can be the magnet that will initially attract them, and our research can generate the jobs necessary to keep them. To fulfill this purpose, we have to recruit more non-residents, and we need to retain and graduate all of our students. Under the, direct, the direction of Amy Goodburn in the Senior Vice Chancellor's Office and Alan Cerveny with the Enroll Management Council, 
We are implementing an intensive effort to increase our retention and graduation rates. Retention will assist in increased enrollment and shortened graduation times will make the talent available to Nebraska at a lower cost. In a fully rational world, we would build the capacities of the university, including more faculty, before we invited more students to come. Unfortunately, we do not have that luxury. The additional resources from increased enrollment are the resources needed to expand our capacity. Growth of students and faculty must occur strategically and in parallel. We have and will continue to make immediate investments in recruiting and admissions and in some specialized facilities. We will ask the Board of Regents to approve renovating Brace Hall into a core teaching facility with badly needed introductory life science laboratories, additional large classrooms, an expanded testing center, and a collaboration center to assist faculty to further incorporate information technology into their classrooms. Our recent enrollment growth has in some fields stretched our capacity. The recent reduction of hours for graduation to 120 should, if properly managed, free some of that capacity. What we are asking of each of you is to focus, without compromising quality, on ways in which we can work gradually toward the growth goals we have established. The Vice Chancellors and I are aware that alternative revenues would accelerate the achievement of our ambitions. We must continue to re-examine our own activities for unrealized efficiencies, and we should be vigilant for revenue opportunities. We must focus on our core missions of teaching, research, and extension. We must focus on advancing our priorities of undergraduate education and research. We must focus on achieving our growth goals. Anything else is a distraction that consumes both human and financial resources. Ohio State recently sold its parking facilities to a private vendor and endowed the proceeds for use in their academic budget. We have explored that possibility, but for now it does not appear to have the same potential for us. But there may be other opportunities. A recent move by the university system of our email to the cloud produced savings and maintenance and service of our email servers. There may be other information technology functions that can be outsourced to a vendor, freeing our information service professionals to focus on how we can employ information technology to match our strategic objectives. I continue to believe there remains efficiencies in how we provide information technology services, and Mark Ashgren and his staff continue to pursue them. We were planning a new parking garage at 18th and R Streets to accommodate the new university dormitories in that area. The private apartments on top of the new city parking garage on Q Street suggested that the airspace above our new parking garage might accommodate housing without requiring additional university land. We were not prepared to build that housing ourselves. We have received favorable responses to our request for proposals from private developers to construct the housing while providing a modest stream of revenue to the university. We will ask the Board of Regents to approve this project. This week, we will issue another RFP to determine if an outside vendor would be interested in constructing a modern student health facility and assuming responsibility for its operation. The increasing complexity of medical practice suggests that connecting our health center to a larger healthcare organization could take advantage of scale in purchasing, electronic medical records, regulation compliance, 
and might facilitate our students' access to a broader range of medical services. While this may not produce revenue for us, it may contain the cost of medical care to students, as well as avoid increasing student fees to pay to replace our outdated facility. Our focus on enrollment growth explains several other initiatives. Over the last year, we have examined the organizational structure and activities relating to both securing and managing enrollment growth, and we have made significant changes. Key functional offices, such as registration and records, student financial aid and admissions, now report to academic affairs with the hope of aligning them more directly with the academic units they serve. The Division of Student Affairs has been repositioned to focus on the non-curricular activities of the university, that it can influence both our initial attractiveness and our ability to retain students. The division is focused on a range of issues, from attending to special needs of international students, non-resident students, and veterans, as well as creating engaging programs in service learning and civic engagement that are especially sought by current and prospective students. Prospective students and their families expect us to be, in part, a laboratory for undergraduates to explore and prepare for the diverse range of career opportunities available to them. Within academic departments, considerable career advice is given. I am certain a central office of career services has an important role to play, but I remain uncertain what that should look like going forward. Accordingly, we have deferred hiring a new director and intend to spend the year exploring not only best practices, but innovations that make sense for our context. It is, of course, increasingly difficult for some of us to look at the campus through the eyes of a 17 or 8-year-old. In reviewing our recruiting materials and promotional activities, we asked for help from Arch Rival, a local firm of largely UNL alumni who specialize in advertising to this age group. You will begin to see the results of their efforts, and before you rebel in disbelief, remember we're not recruiting you. <laughs> we have, however, thus far, resisted inviting Tommy Lee back for graduate work. <laughs> the physical environment of the campus implicates our attractiveness to students as well as influences our own satisfaction as a workplace. We initiated last spring a major planning effort involving both the physical facilities and the landscape environment. Sasky, a nationally recognized master planning firm, one which has had significant Big Ten experience, is our consultant. They have been gathering information over the summer, and they will be holding open houses on city and east campuses on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. We hope you will all be fully engaged in providing the framework for growth of this campus for the next 10 years. In addition to a steering committee representing the broad interests on campus and working committees of more specialized scope, we seek all of your participation through a website and a series of open meetings. Driving this planning effort should be the growth goals we have adopted. In my script, I see in bold letters the word conclusion. You certainly can't accuse me of jumping to a conclusion, but I hope I've reached it before you have. Actually, I've tried to avoid getting here and because a faculty member dared me to top last year's ending of Joe Diffie singing Prop Me Up by the Jukebox If I Die, 
I had hoped to have the vice chancellors dance and lip sync to Call Me Maybe, but they refused. <laughs> so let me just say this. I'm extraordinarily blessed to have been allowed to serve as your chancellor for these past 12 years. My enthusiasm has been sustained because of the quality of the people who work with me and the spectacular success we all have made together. You have been restrained when I have erred, gracious when I have unfairly received the credits for your accomplishments. Together we've done wondrous things, but we now have the hard work of growing this university. What can I say that would inspire you towards this end? Not satisfied with my own thoughts, I have asked a good friend of the university and a powerful motivational speaker to have the last words. Get her done. 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 Get her done.